The Holy Gospel for the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany is from St. Mark chapter 1. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. And that gospel lesson will also serve as the, uh, the text for today's sermon. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Right out of high school, uh, I went uh, to the University of Michigan. I was only there for a year um, before transferring uh, somewhere else. But in, but in my first semester, I, I believe I took five different courses. I took a, a math course, uh, two different science courses. I took a, a course that they called uh, Great Books. And then mostly because I thought those were going to be difficult, uh, the fifth course I took uh, was something called the Bible in English. Uh, taught by someone I'd never heard of, a guy named Ralph Williams. I figured that as a, as a kid who'd been through parochial schools um, since the fourth grade, the Bible, that would that'd be a breeze. And, and as far as I remember, um, I don't recall it being uh, that difficult of, of a class. I don't remember much content-wise about it at all, to tell you the truth. Um, I've heard stories, horror stories, about these sorts of courses in, in secular universities where uh, uh, some professor takes it as his, his uh, calling uh, to tell all the young committed Christians that everything they learned in, in Sunday school was a, was a bunch of bunk. This definitely was not that. Uh, again, I don't remember a whole lot uh, content-wise. Uh, but what I will never forget, whom I will never forget, is that Ralph Williams. Um, the lecture hall that we met in. It was a big lecture hall, probably sat 250 people, but every class period there were at least 300 there. Uh, uh, 50 people at least who had not even enrolled in the class, standing room only. Every lecture, this guy, Dr. Williams, he'd burst through the door and literally bound down the stairs, skipping every other one. Giant smile on his face as if he was truly ecstatic uh, just to be there. Uh, during the lectures, he would dance, and he would scream, and he would weep, and he would whisper, and he'd sing, sing during his lectures all the time. Uh, the only one I actually remember, the only lecture I remember um, was this powerful one on the story of Abraham and the, the near sacrifice of Isaac. And I remember like yesterday, even though it was almost 30 years ago, with tears streaming down his face, he, he burst into this, uh, this, this Benjamin Britten canticle, Abraham. 
my dear servant Abraham. Something in this beautiful tenor voice. And remember it, this like again, it was yesterday. You always felt as if you were the, the only one in the class. If you happened to, to catch your glance during a lecture, he'd lock eyes with you as if peering into your soul for an uncomfortably long period of time. Other thing I remember uh, is coming into class, I think it was on a Wednesday. It was, it was right way at the beginning of the, the semester. And for some reason or another, I had missed Monday's class. Uh, but here comes Williams bounding down the stairs, big smile on his face as always, but boom, full stop, mid-bound, right at my row. He does a 90-degree turn, locks eyes uncomfortably with me and says, oh, Ben, we are so glad to have you back with us. Remember, second, third class of the, of the semester, 300 people in a lecture hall, all of them in different places. I'd never spoken to him, never turned in an assignment, but he knew exactly who I was. And I'm pretty sure he was happy to see me. That same energy, every class. Again, and, and even to this day, I don't know if Ralph Williams was or is a Christian, if you believed any of the stories that made him weep and sing. You may have heard that uh, kind of cliche uh, before about that um, when, when you speak to, to people, they, they, they won't necessarily remember uh, what you had to say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And again, that is a bit of a cliche, but with Williams, with Williams, it's, it's proved true, at least for me. He made me feel that the stories he was telling were beautiful and important and worthy, and that somehow... All the people gathered with him in that lecture hall to learn were also beautiful and important and worthy. Like I said, I didn't remember much of the content of that course. The other four courses I took that semester, I don't remember much of anything from them either. But I do remember that they were nothing like Dr. Williams' class. He and his were different. Maybe you've had a teacher like that. One who did not teach like the rest. They went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribe. In other words, when it came to Jesus' teaching, he and his were different. Now, the exact nature of that difference is a little bit hard to nail down. I'm not saying it was exactly different in the way that William's class was different, that opening illustration. But there is some resonance. Now, of course, you might hear that word authority, and that might get in the way to say Jesus taught with authority. For some, that might kind of have a, a bit of a negative or a, obtrusive ring to it. A bossy, like a, hey, teacher, leave those kids alone, kind, kind of ring to it. But that's not what the word means here. The word translated authority here speaks to a, a kind of originality, a kind of depth and a ringing true that the people were not used to getting from the scribes. 
And it wasn't that Jesus used different material. We know that his sermons, that he in, in his sermons he preached from the same Bible those scribes did. But when Jesus taught, he wasn't just giving textbook answers. He wasn't simply shuffling jargon or recycling pious platitudes. He locked eyes and spoke to the soul and gave a word that actually got to the heart of things. Got right down to the bones to jostle things around so that, so that after hearing him, people, people said things. They were, they were dumbfounded and astounded and whirling and went away mumbling to themselves, Oh my, this man spoke to me in a way that no one ever has. This one looked at me in a way that no one ever has. This one knew and knows me in a way that no one else does. He spoke with authority. He spoke to the demons. You know that at this point in the story, after saying the, the authority bit, that we immediately move to this, this story about the man with the unclean spirit in the synagogue. I'm pretty sure that that is, is that way to help us get a handle on what exactly it means that Jesus speaks with authority. Now, with all our fancy learning and advancement, at least some of us sometimes might look at a, a little tale like this and say, oh, come on. <laughs> you mean now we're supposed to believe in demons? Don't we have science and medicine to explain all that sort of stuff? To which we might say, well, yeah, science and medicine are good, but they don't explain everything. And they certainly don't explain every evil. And we might say further that denying such may itself be a part of a demonic ploy to dupe us into thinking that we are more in control of our own hearts and thoughts and actions than we really are. You know, perhaps the reason that we moderns have trouble thinking in terms of the demonic is because it simply scares the bejesus out of control freaks like us to even contemplate that there are things and forces outside of us controlling us. But there plainly are. <laughs> this last week, uh, I learned the American Sign Language symbol uh, for addiction. It's in a blog post. It's this. Suppose you, you, take, your, you take your index finger and you, you make it like a little hook. And then you put it into the side of your mouth and pull. That's addiction. If you're an addict, it's addiction plus the person symbol. So it's, <laughs> what, what a telling gesture, huh? And what a telling gesture, not just for addiction, but for all those things that get their hooks into us and pull us in directions we'd rather not go. Things that overpower us. Things from outside of us that somehow are still part of us. <laughs> That's the weird thing, right? it's a whole heck of a lot like this man with the unclean spirit in our text. Did you see how he talked? At first, when the, the man cries out, it's, have you come to destroy us? It's like the man and the, the spirit are one. But then later, the next line, the spirit speaks in terms of I. It's, it's odd. It's, it's part of him, but it's not part of him. And that's like so many things with us. There's plenty, plenty more to these demons and the demonic but when it comes to us, 
It is at the very least this sort of thing, those things that are part of us and yet not part of us. All those things that get their hooks into us and pull us, that seem to have power over us. You might think in terms of addiction to alcohol or to sex or to attaboys and praise. Or perhaps think in terms of depression, something that has you more than you have it. Or think in terms of a family history that plagues you so that you find yourself over and over again falling into the same old rotten ruts of thought and action and reaction again and again, and you can't seem to help yourself. Or in our social media-driven age, think of the way subhuman algorithms, artificial intelligences manipulate us at the level of our unconscious, hook us into destructive obsessions on our appearances and gaining the approval of people we will never meet. Now, if you have trouble calling those sorts of things demonic, well, whatever. <laughs> but there is no denying. Well, there is denying, but there shouldn't be denying. <laughs> there should be no denying those are hooks in our mouths, hooks in our minds, hooks in our souls that pull us away. The sorts of things against which on our own we are powerless. As powerless as that poor chap in a Capernaum synagogue beset with an unclean spirit 2,000 years ago. To whom Jesus spoke. With whom our Lord locked eyes and spoke with authority to whom our Lord spoke in a way that got to the heart of things and rattled bones. Be silent and come out of him. And convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, the spirit came out of him, we're told, and all were astonished. To which, if I'm honest, I gotta say, well, that is astonishing. And I'm astonished too. But I, if I'm honest, I have to further say, would that Jesus, would that Jesus would come bounding through the front door right now, lock eyes and do the same for you and me. I say, Lord Jesus, come right now and exercise our demons. Take away my addictions and my depression and my sadness and my hangups and all those things that throw a hook into me and pull my head and the rest of me in ways that they should not go. But it does not work that way, does it? At least not always. I wish it did. Especially as your pastor who loves you. <laughs> I know I'm not the most lovey-dovey sort of person, but I do love you and I would love to be able to proclaim a kind of word that as immediately as Jesus' word sent the demons of Capernaum scampering would banish all of yours. But just because it does not, not always, work just that way does not mean that there is nothing to say. Just because our words do not always work as astonishingly or as quickly does not mean that the words from Jesus that I have for you and that we have for the world lack authority. They are yet powerful. 
and they speak to the heart of things and they rattle the bones and at least start to unhook those hooks from our mouths. As surely as Jesus was in that synagogue in Capernaum naming that unclean spirit for what it was, he's here today wherever you are listening to this. He's right there saying anyone or anything that says to you, you're horrible. Or who says that because of the hooks in your mouth, you're unworthy. Or that says that you're a drunk and that's all you are. Or that you deserve to be sad. Or that you'll always be that way. Or that you are your scorecard and because you're not winning, you are unlovable. The Lord Jesus says right now with authority, says all of that is bull from the depths of hell. With authority, he says, you are not your demons. You are my child. And if you ask him on what authority he can say such things, he will show you the wounds in his hands and his feet. He'll turn your eyes to the scars he won in defeating and defanging death and the devil on the cross, and he'll say, there is my authority, child. Friends of God, we've all got plenty of little, maybe not so little, demonic hooks. Pulling us this way and that. But over all of them, over all of you, Jesus has cast his great net. He's cast the great baptismal net inside of which he's working on loosing the hooks while he pulls you to himself. Every time we gather around his table, he bursts into our time and place. He bounds down from heaven itself, bounds into bread and wine. He stops right at your row in the most intimate way possible with a great all is forgiven and you are forever mine smile. And he says, I am so glad, so very glad you are here. Friends of God, you have this on the very best of authorities. You are not your demons. You are your father's child. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let us pray. O Holy Trinity, you are God of God and Lord of Lords. Truly there is no God but you alone. From you and your Son, Jesus Christ, are all things. Teach us with authority. Sink the saving knowledge of Christ's grace and truth deep into our souls to rattle our bones and send our demons away. Overpower all those things that yank us this way and that. And by your word and spirit, draw us, draw all the world to yourself. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, our God, whose voice was heard at Sinai and whose authority was made manifest in Christ, the prophet greater than Moses, send faithful preachers into your harvest who will be diligent to listen to your word and speak it faithfully and authoritatively in your name. Preserve us from false and weak prophets who would lead us away from your truth. 
Give us ears to hear gladly the saving words of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, guard our families and homes. Build them up in love. Support parents in their task of instructing their children. Strengthen those whose faith is weak. Make us bold to forgo convenience and security to attest the truths of our most holy faith with heart and action. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, give health and success to our president and governor, our legislators and judges, and all who serve for our governance and protection. Make them high in purpose, wise in counsel, and unwavering in duty. Lord, in your mercy. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son cast out unclean spirits and taught with authority. He is the great physician of body and soul. Have mercy on those who are sick or recovering, distressed, in danger, or facing any need. Sustain them with patience, trusting in your merciful care, and graciously relieve them. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of creation, as we look on snow blanketing the world outside our windows, make us ever mindful of your love that blankets all things, even our sins, that though they be as scarlet in Jesus, they are white as snow. Keep safe those who must be out on the roads in the snow. Give joy to those who get to play in it. Lord, in your mercy. All these things, and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again, and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now receive the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. And go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs>